This is the third week in a message series called God's Empowering Presence that I'd look forward to for some time to share and minister. And the last two weeks and then last week was Pentecost Sunday on Sunday morning and in uh, both services, but in the second service, the altars were absolutely filled with people seeking the Lord and just asking God to be baptized in the Spirit, that the promise of the Father, the gift of the Spirit would be poured out on their lives. And there's a real hunger, and I, I thank God for it. And I was looking over some, some um, uh, goals or vision for this year for the church, and, and part of that was that we would become that that uh, the the that we would become saturated with a culture of life in the spirit that we'd become saturated with the gifts of the spirit operating in our lives um, not only in the marketplace but in the church and in our neighborhood that we would be enculturated with this this radical middle and I want to share with you today about the radical miller uh, middle Life in the Spirit, God's empowering presence. And so that what God does for us is not something just at salvation and then we're ready to go to heaven, but there's this big middle called the radical middle that the early church experienced. And uh, we're going to read about this in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. I'm going to read the first uh, two verses, 40 and 41. And uh, this was Peter in, in the temple And this is what God's Word has to say. And with many other words, he, that's Peter, solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received this Word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. How many know that's a lot of people to be added to the church? A lot of people that were added in one day. The gift of the Spirit comes to empower us to live life in the Spirit or the radical middle. There was a a very well-known missionary, Dr. Paul Hebert, Hebert, uh, I believe it was Mennonite, and he was in India, and he wrote about his experiences and he was, they were ministering in rural areas, in the small towns and villages, and people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and the church was being added to. But then after a while, they started coming to him with their problems and saying, uh, Pastor, missionary, we want you to pray for our water buffalo." See, that's all they had to work with. They were poverty-stricken. Our water buffalo is sick, and if our water buffalo doesn't get better, we can't feed ourselves, and we're likely to starve. And his reply to them over and over was, I don't pray for your water buffalo. You know, you need to see a veterinarian. We don't have a veterinarian. And the witch doctor always prayed for our water buffalo. And what came through to him strong and clear is that If we've changed to serve the living God and he's not powerful enough to heal our water buffalo, the old witch doctor would pray. And he started to see that salvation is not 
only so that we are saved and delivered from our sins and then we're set on the pathway and we get on the bus to heaven and we get our tickets punched. But there is a huge middle called real life, everyday life. The excluded middle. And that was the title of what he wrote and became quite famous. What happened on the day of Pentecost was that the generations of God's people who had waited for and who had earnestly desired and the thousands that would show up in the temple every day to worship God and to give alms and to sacrifice and carry out the Old, the Old Testament system of sacrifice, that desire for the Messiah, that desire for God's Spirit to return and live among them. On the day of Pentecost, God's empowering presence the promise of the Father returned in their midst. They were saved, and then three thousand. We don't know the exact number. Three thousand were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter said this. He said to he said, "Be saved from this perverse generation." And friends, we we live in a perverse generation. Second Timothy three verses one through five. You can read that. I won't read it, but you can read that. It's a generation and a world that's characterized by perverse preoccupation with self, with power, with money, with politics, and unfruitful endeavors. Our perverse generation turns upside down God's intended kingdom rule. I had the I took my car into the dealership the other day and I, they sat me in this place and every chair was taken of, you talk about diversity that was there from Asia and African Americans and you talk, you and people, um, I don't know where they're all from, but CNN was talking about the Comey, the Comey hearings. And it just went blah, 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 blah. And there was, there was no one that was listening to that. Because no one knows who to believe anymore. Everyone has an agenda. The agenda is preoccupied. And you name the social, out, the media outlet. Everyone has an agenda. And I believe the words of Peter are truer today than they've ever been in our history save ourselves from this perverse generation. This perverse generation will suck the life out of you and me if we, get, if, if we get too involved. You cannot fight with a skunk and come away the same way. Does that mean that we're not to be salt and light? Oh no, we're called to be salt and light. But there's a reason God's Word says, save yourself from this perverse generation. It'll take the life out of you. And you'll find that it wars against the, the gift of God within us and the cultivation of the fruit of the Spirit. Instead of the kingdom of God being marked with righteousness, peace, and joy, we, be, we find ourselves being marked with anger, with bitterness, with scheming, and everything's a conspiracy, and... 
We're to be model citizens, but the Word of God says, first of all, I, I urge you to pray for, the, for kings and those in authority over you. And the kingdom of God has come to be marked with righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is, is about forgiveness, and there is restoration. This world, if some guy has smoked a weed 30 years ago, and if the wrong party gets a hold of it, they're going to be, it, it's like he's the worst person in the world. It makes no difference how they live since then. Am I, is anyone tracking with me? All right, I'm just riding my pet horse and I'm going to get off on something else. But as a pastor, this world that we live in will take us far away from God's plan for our life to bring us back to with reconciliation to the Father. I, was, I, was had, I had breakfast the other morning with one of the men from the church who was saved a couple of years ago and been baptized and his, he's had a lot of success in life. Uh, he's a, a, an attorney for the military and been in all the Middle Eastern countries. They've sent him to the war college. He's published, and, and I, he's not here today, so, and I, but I'm not going to mention his name. He's a very um, knowledgeable, very intelligent person. We sat there, and God has done something. God has done something in his life. And he said, Pastor Paul, he said, you know, he said, I love coming to church on Sundays. And I said, why is that? He said, it's so different than the world I live in. People are happy. There's genuineness. We're involved in the city. We're involved in the county. We're involved in a... He said, they're just happy. He said, I love to go to Disney, and I've been there several times, taking my family he said, but most of the time, the only time people are happy is when they're the next person in line to get on the next ride. They spent all that money. But he said, you come with God's people and they're happy and there's joy and there's gladness. That's part of what the Spirit of God does in our lives. It comes to change us from the inside out. And imagine with me, just imagine with me, God's intent was that His kingdom would come to bless and the church would be a city set on a hill and, and that God's desire is to spread His ways and His rule throughout all of His creation. And that's why Jesus Christ came to die for my sins and for your sins that we might restore to be restored to our Heavenly Father and His kingdom is in our hearts right now. And one day he's coming back for the church and his kingdom will be established on this earth. Can anyone say amen? New heavens and new earth, praise his name. Imagine the impact of a spirit-empowered church and, and that people can have on this tired-out world. And I want to share a few things with you this morning from Acts chapter 2 that happened after the day of Pentecost and this text this morning, uh, these 3,000 people, they, they remind me of uh, dear friends of ours that are up in their mid-80s and they go to church seven days a week. They're devout and they're worshipers of God and these 3,000 that are in the temple were devout and worshipers of God and there have been 400 years of silence but something had remained alive and on this day, Peter preached and they came into the kingdom of God and he said, 
and, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. Praise His name. So the first thing I want to share with you is that the Spirit of God comes to give us life in an upside-down world. Life in an upside-down world. Luke wrote, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All of a sudden, their priorities changed. They personally experienced the Spirit of God. This is the first fill-in, but the life-changing love of God that permeated them. I want to read a text to you from Wednesday nights. And you know on Wednesday nights, the, the place is filled. Every, every room is taken up. And my class that I have, I have to hold it off campus because there's, no, there's not a room available for me on Wednesday nights. And the youth set up the sanctuary and they transform into something. And they've been doing this for I don't know how many years. I would have quit a long time ago if I, if I had to do that. They tear down the seats. They put up this, that, and the other. But I got a text then from Amber Hackett, uh, Pastor Bobby, who's the youth pastor, my associate, his wife, and, and a woman who does not go to church here but wants her son in church. And she texted him, texted Amber on Wednesday night. She said, I picked up L from his youth, from the youth group. When I got there, he was talking to a tall youth guy who I think was one of his leaders. Uh, and they have quite a leadership team. They have 10 adults on their leadership team. My son got into the car and said, Mom, I just love coming here. Everyone is so friendly and nice. It's an alternative to an upside-down world around us. We're supposed to be good to each other and to love each other. How many know that? And he said, it's the best. I'm so happy. And the lesson tonight was amazing. And the le- you need, I wish you could be here on Wednesday nights. They preach. They have tons of fun. But if you look in on a Wednesday night, often these altars are filled and they've preached that God is a God who heals today and people are being prayed for. God is a God who saves. God is a God who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Preaching the Word of God. And so he said, and the lesson tonight was amazing. I thought all kids wanted was roller skates and pizza. That's not true. I hear, she says, I hear him crying in the back seat and he is still talking about the sermon. I ask if he is sad. He says, no, I'm so happy. God is so cool and he loves me so much. I'm so happy to be here. Everything is going to be okay. I have faith that it will. I'm so happy. And she texted at the time, this is a couple hours later, and he's still crying after he got home. How many know that young boy's experienced the power of God in his life? It's an experience that, will, that he has stepped into that he'll never be the same and it can be a memorial for him to keep growing and moving forward in God. The Spirit of God comes to give us life and may... And, and to change our affections or transform their affections and devotions. Look at this. They went, they went from whatever they're doing to 
Acts 2.42, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to community, the breaking of bread, or some call some say that's communion, and to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. The last time I checked, some of the real rough men that I know, the last thing they're devoted to is prayer. He comes to bring order and sense in our lives, and it happens from the inside out. He gives us a different set of lens to look at life with, and we move from a bad news life to a good news way of living. You heard about the, the, the lipstick drive, City Beat Lipstick. City Beat is Jared uh, Michaels. He's a young man. He's 25 years old. God's put it in his heart, and he showed me his plan, eight different locations he, uh, to, of inner city outreach, but also church plants. And Jared is a, is a pretty talented young man, and he, he thought that he was going to plant a mega church, and God spoke to him and said, Jared, I want you to build a church for people that nobody wants. And that's what he's devoted himself to. And so it's Jared and his team that are down in the red light district at Baltimore City on the weekends, and they're moving among these prostitutes. And the bad news way of looking at it is, look how horrible they are, cluck our tongues, wag our head, call the cops, get them off the streets. They're no good. Just look at them as a pile of refuge. But you know they have a soul. How many understand that? They're created in the image of God. And they've started ministering to these women. So they come up with this lipstick drive. And you can, you can help fill that bin out there. And all it says is, it says City Beat, and then there's info of where they can get it, help and hope in Jesus' name. So when they go to, can you just imagine, go to, to, to get ready for the evening, pulling that out of your purse, and maybe after a really long day's hard night, you go home and there's nowhere to turn and you see that in your hand. And friends, what God comes to do in our life is to change us from a bad news lifestyle to a good news lifestyle. That we believe there's a certainty of faith that God can do the impossible because God is the God of the possible. Praise His name. To be part of a radical middle, a radical alternative within the very culture that we live. The second thing I want to share with you is that the church became becomes a people for God's name. This, this is, God's always wanted a people for His name. If you're a parent, it helps us understand this. We raise our children with certain values. As, a, as my wife and I have raised our daughters with values, biblical values, godly values, and to to be ethical and moral and be a blessing in the neighborhood and to help people. But if you've ever raised your children in a certain way and you've watched them leave that, you know the pain that comes in your heart. And God has always, has always wanted from the very beginning a people for His own name. That's why Adam and Eve were created. Listen, friends. The book of Genesis chapter 1 is not about whether there is evolution or there wasn't evolution. No one knows because no one was present when the things that happened in Genesis happened. No one. The rest of the Bible, 
It has all happened in the past except for the prophetic. But this was Moses writing about things that he was not there. No one was at the beginning except Adam and Eve. But what we do know, God created Adam and Eve. You can read Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. He said he created them as likeness, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply, go in all the world, have dominion over it, be fruitful and multiply. It was to have a people for his name that would, that would reflect God's character and love and goodness in all of creation as the earth was populated. That's what the book of Genesis is about. And he called... He called a people, and that's always been God's desire. And today in the church, the desire for God is to have a people for his name. Now, we're, uh, my wife and I are getting ready to take our, three of our grandkids on vacation this afternoon. And uh, I, uh, so they, they, they want me to take my boat, and they've promised, you know, they're 10 and 13, how they're going to help and clean it and everything. I just said to Chris, you know what? We're laying aside all expectations. Plan your meals, but don't be offended if they don't eat anything because they filled up on ice cream and Coke and chips all day long. That's their vacation. Don't be surprised, and we've had to learn this hard way, that that they want to have their face in the iPad playing Minecraft rather than hiking or something. That's just kids. So, but we're going to take them. You know what I'm saying? We wish that they would carry out what we think is healthy and all that. But God has a desire, and that's to have a people for his name. And today, you and I are called the people of God. And the church was the newly constipated constituted people of God when the Spirit of God came on them. And so the promise of the Father, the gift of the Spirit, was the return of God's empowering presence. He came to his people. Prophecy was fulfilled. That's why Peter stood on the day of Pentecost. They said, you all are drunk. What do you got? He said, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning, but this was that. And he reminded them of the prophecy of Joel in the last days. I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. A-L-L for everybody who comes to the Lord and desires of God, he'll pour out his spirit. They realized the second thing was that the future had begun. They were the new people of God. The future had begun. It was being fulfilled and they were part of that. And so the spirit was present and empowered them to the church to witness with signs and wonders and announcing, which announced that God was present, that Listen, friends, God heals because he loves us. But he also heals to announce that he's in the house. He's in the house. It's the radical middle. He's in the house. God heals us. My family's had a record of God healing in miraculous ways. We have people this morning that were we just had, uh, this morning, we were in uh, a prayer before the services, and one of the ladies, Laura uh, Watmau, said that 19 years ago, and she just got, her, just got her clean bill of health back, diagnosed with a form of cancer, and one of the leading oncologists in the area just looked at her 19 years ago and said, you, you, you have one year left at the most. 
And she's here 19 years later to the glory of God. God's in the house. This is a radical middle, praise God. This is not we get saved and then we just ride this thing out until we go to heaven. But God is alive, praise His name. He's interested in us and He wants to announce His presence. Sometimes we think it's just about us and this, that. Yeah, it's, it's about us because He loves us, but it's about being a people for the name of God to carry out and witness that the Lord is here and God makes a difference. Praise His name. They, they, were the, they, were, they were now the temple, the next thing, or the dwelling place, and all were qualified in the priesthood. No longer was it under the old order that for so many of the religious priests in that day, and Pharisees, they looked at the common people as though they were the untouchables. And everything from God had to come through them unless they mediated it. When Jesus Christ came, He he wiped away the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Peter talked about the priesthood of believers. He said that you and I are called the priesthood and everyone qualifies so that the, the spiritual organizational flow chart was squashed down and flattened out. Can you say amen? So in the back room today, in the back room today, I mentioned to the prayer group something that just a physical thing and at the end of prayer, one of the men said, let's gather around pastor and let's just pray for him. They didn't have to wait for me to say, will you all pray for me? And you can pray where you work and you can pray for your neighbors and you don't have to do it in an evangelistic voice. It's okay. You can just, can I pray for you? But it means that we're now the temple of God and he dwells among us. We're where he chooses to dwell and everyone qualifies to be the priesthood in Jesus Christ's name. Praise His name. Their lives testified of God's love and transformation. And, and look at, just look at this. Scripture says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. How many know a change is going on? A change is going on. They had all things in common. It's pretty radical in our Western culture because we're, we are very independent and we always want more and more and more and more and more. And now what's happening to my friends and it's happening to some of you is we get to a certain age, all of a sudden we're looking around and saying, why do we have all this stuff? Is anyone there yet? Someone said to me the other day, and uh, that they like certain things. They're foodies, and uh, and I'm obviously I'm you know I don't I I sort of embrace that lifestyle myself. So, uh, but uh, I, there's just stuff, different stuff in life that you like. You know, for me, it's sharp objects. Ever since I've been a kid, my grandfather gave me his pocket knife. I've liked anything with a sharp blade. I don't know what it is. I have more knives. I have knives like some of you women have shoes. And someone said to me, they, they have real good knives. They said, you know, 
we just got talking. Really, the truth of it is, in food preparation, there's just two knives that we use anymore. And I'm looking at that drawer full, and my daughter found some, uh, a knife. It's a French-made knife. It's an all-carbon, no stainless steel. It's a chef's knife, and they're worth quite a bit of money. She bought it for 50 cents, and I said, oh, let me see that. You know, do you know what you bought? And she said, Dad, you can have it. I sharpened it for her, and I've never used it since. So it's going back. She can have it. But look at, look at what happened. Look at how their affections were changed. It says they're feeling awe, and they, had, they were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property. That's a scriptural, that's a scriptural verse for decluttering. That's what it is. They began selling their property and possessions that were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day they continued with one mind in the temple and breaking bread to house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Awe and sharing and together and gladness and sincerity and miracles and praising God. I just want to encourage us this, this way, to be a person of praise. I think praise, praise is what initiates worship. You know, sometimes we think we have to hear our favorite song to worship God. Our favorite songs help us worship God. But really, we should have a heart of praise, whether we're in church or not. How many know what I'm saying? So when we're driving down the street, we're, on, we're headed out, we're on a trip. Our heart is just filled with praise, and we begin praising God for His goodness to us. If we can't get our praise on until the right worship song is on, what are you going to do when you can't have that CD or that digital file that you've downloaded? What happens when, you're, when your iPhone, you're on vacation, or God calls you on a missions trip for two weeks, and you're your phone falls in the river with your thousands of songs, do you stop worshiping God? No, it's a heart of praise. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your faithfulness. I praise you for what you're doing. I praise you for the church. I praise you for the people, the gladness of what you're doing. That's a, that's a heart of praise to the Lord. And the Word of God says, says this, that he began to do something as a result of that. It's so different from the culture of our world. The last thing I want to share with you is this, is the Lord was adding daily, Acts 2.47. And the Lord was adding daily. They were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. They had favor with people in God. I just... What I'm going to say right now, I believe from the bottom of my heart, I believe that God wants us to be a church and to be a people in our actions and what we say and what we do would cause those outside of the kingdom of God to bring, to bring their favor on our lives. means that 
when we return something to the store and we don't get the result that we wanted, that we approach it in a Christ-like way instead of arguing and backing people in the corner. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, I have to watch as a pastor. I'm, it's a little bit, the tables get turned on me because I'm, I'm used to convincing people. But I have to be careful because I can be so interested in getting things my way that if I let my old nature and old Paul Dross get involved, man, I'll go to the mat to win an argument. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? The problem is I'm different than you are in that I don't know who, who's going to show up on Sunday that was a cashier. I don't know what policeman's going to walk through those doors. You know, at, I had a, we had an incident the other day, and, and, um, and it was just, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but we have, a, we have a new roundabout put in our neighborhood, and more people have hit that thing and just ripped their tire to shred and ruined rims. And my wife did it the other day on a very busy day, Thursday. And, and she said, I, but my daughter did it too weeks ago, and, or two months ago, and I'm, man, I'm just, so I'm walking home, it's a half mile away, you know, and I went out to get it, and I'm walking like this, and I looked up on the roundabout, and there's the county vehicle. I said, oh, and I went over, and right away, I said, you know what, uh, I tried to be nice, I said, when, when, y'all, when can you all do something about that? He said, what are you talking about? And he knew what I was talking about. They've been flooded with complaints and this, that, and the other. I said, right there, my wife. He said, well, quite frankly, sir, you, you, you know, people need to, they need to watch how they're driving. They had better driving habits. And I said, are you telling me <laughs> that my wife and daughter who have spotless drivers are bad drivers? And then he said, well, that's a 1253, and are you an engineer anyway, you know, and, and, I, and, and something started to rise up inside of me, and, but thank the Lord, I, thank the Lord, I was, you know, uh, I was just able to step back, and I think it had a good resolution, because he said, I'll give you the head the head person in the county over public works, and you can talk with them. And I just said, really? Do you all listen? And he laughed. He said, I said, I know you don't. He said, well, sort of, you're right, you know. I said, you know what I think? I think you look at us as dumb tourists in Ocean City. We're in your territory. And he laughed, and exactly that's what it was, you know. And so we got a big laugh out of it, and, we, and then, you know, we said some things, good things to each other. And he said, um, he said I'll talk with them. That very day, believe it, this is a miracle. I looked, and the place was swarmed with county cars, and they marked out something on the pavement. Now, I don't know if they're really going to do anything, but in the middle of it, I just, the words came to me, you're a pastor. You're a pastor. You're a pastor. So I said, <laughs> I said, if you come to my, our church on Sunday morning, you know, what, what and, and I could see, I don't, 
think that he was all that interested in coming. But, but what I'm getting at is this, is I believe our lives should testify in a way, be a channel of God's grace so that people want to bring favor in our life. God's intent is to add to your life and to his church. That's what his intent is, to add to your life and to his church. But it's when we surrender our lives to God. Surrender. So we don't look at the gift of the Spirit, the promise of the Father, as something that I get, and then I have it, and then I move on. It's not something we get so we can join the club, or we can wear the T-shirt. It's something like this young boy experienced. He experienced the love of God in a way that he just, everything's going to be okay. And do you know, you know the Generation Z, they call them homelanders, they're the teens today. They're one of the most anxiety-filled generations in the history of America. 911, the, the whole uh, recession that we had, the media that they're bombarded with, they don't know who to believe, there's no black or white, it was major. And God, when we surrender our lives to the Lord, and we say, Lord, I want all of you I want more of you. I want your promise. I want your gift. Lord, I open my life. But Lord, I promise I don't want to just compartmentalize this thing. But Lord, I want you to come in and flood my soul, my soul, with your spirit, your love, your power. When we do that, God allows us to realize this radical middle that we are destined to live between salvation and heaven. Surrendering our lives to the Lord. Praise His name. Amen. Praise God. I want, I want the Lord to favor on my life. I want God's favor and the peop- favor of people and the life of the church. I want that. In Jesus' name. Let it be so.